to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Beaky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Rummy Podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bluefield. Hello, Ryan. Miss Guy Howard. And your mom. And not my mother, but Mr. Lee Rice. <laughs> Hello. How are we all? Keith, what have you been up to this week? This week, I have been mostly. Um, have you been coverting? I haven't been. Sports? I haven't been coveting any, on any other people's um, <laughs> gaming consoles. But Keith, hey, as, as, a, as of recording, Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three is on the Switch today. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one with the badly photoshopped body no. body doubles? No, for the no. This game. is the one where every character who can fly can only fr- fly three feet above the ground. A mild hover. A mild yeah. hover. Yeah, yeah. Discuss, yeah. Um, this week, this week, well, I did discover. Well, I haven't discovered. I figured out that if eye rolling was an Olympic sport, I'd definitely be in the medals, <laughs> uh, without question. You roll them so far back that you can see the sockets. People must be able to see now the fact that I just kind of occasionally, very often, just kind of like. Have you have you reached the age of no longer giving a crap? Not quite, not quite. I think the reason I roll my eyes is because I still do. But I have been listening to uh, Blink, not Blink. How did I mistake (laughs) Blink? (laughs) (laughs) Almost in the same wheelhouse. I've been listening. I've been listening to some 41's new album. Does this look infected? God, that's the worst album sleeve of all time. It's horrendous. It's literally a man with a cake, like a gash on his head. Does it look worse than the R.E.M. Monster album that you forced us to listen to a few weeks ago? It's not about the music, Ryan. It's about just the ugliness of a sleeve. Does does the album cover look worse than the Monster album cover? Yeah, of course it does. I don't want to see a man with a bloodied up head on an album sleeve. But I was quite impressed with it. Musically, it was very good. So you did actually listen to a new Sum 41 album? Yeah, it came out this week. What? What? <laughs> was it what just, is going on? Was it just like the best of Sum 41 and it just had fat lip 12 times? No, no, no. <laughs> they, they, they have produced several albums since the... Um, are you the new metal? Are you uh, a skating yeah, with, with an eight? Did you then like hop on your board with your chain attached to you with your free call legs? Head to I'll the have park, you know that these you know, do some ollies and drink some white lightning. I'll have you know play, that play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater <laughs> <laughs> on the Wii U. Derek and the boys have got older as well, so they've they've a maturity to their songs. Is he still dating Avril Lavigne? That guy. <laughs> oh no, she's going out with the Nickelback man now, isn't she? What the clone of is. Oh yeah, yeah Melissa. The, the, Melissa. The, real, the real Avril Lavigne. <laughs> um, Who knows yeah, what like, she's doing? Didn't she ditch the god? So what? imagine how like how like crap you must be to be done by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Christ. I think the street cred as well. I think they've done quite well for themselves. Do as, you know what? To me, they're always the band that managed to do a bit of reverb on the word abortion in a song. <laughs> An abortion, abortion, abortion. Like, what is that about? What is that about? See, I dug them because they had this thing where they went right. Okay. We're actually going to reference the songs that we we are in, influenced by. So when they did that plain is pleasure thing, and really riffed on that Judas Priest Iron Maiden thing. Oh, is, but, it like, is it like Good Char- Charlotte who did Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Ah, Good Charlotte. Uh, and then and then did an album later where they basically moaned about being rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> Difference being, some forty one are actually good. 
Good Charlotte are terrible. What's interesting though on this album, they do a song that sounds like Muse, which is quite interesting because I cannot <laughs> not a good thing stand Muse, but they actually make the, the Muse sound sound good, which is quite good. So the Muse could learn a thing or two from them. <laughs> Muse could learn musical talent from some point. Yeah. When was the last? Muse record you could differentiate from the one before. You know when mm. you know when you finished listening to some forty one am did you feel it necessary to watch American Pie afterwards? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But I didn't require did, did a large walk... stadium with lots of flashing lights to like kind of slightly turn me into a did trance you, so I appreciated what was going on. Did you look on. in your wardrobe to see if you had a shirt with flames around the bottom? So <laughs> <laughs> oh those shirts were horrendous like slightly silk material. Talking of bands like that, like my friend Dave, who's a friend friend of the podcast and listens to the show, God love him. He he must be the only fan of Bowling for Soup. And Dave, you're probably looking at you're on your eyes because you're getting burnt here. But you are the only Bowling for Soup fan I know. I don't get about that fan. That man was fat years ago. He has he's still huge. Like he's massive. That man and that man. But he's like so weirdly shaped. Like I'm not fat shaming that man. But it's like it's like almost like he's a square, like a human. Like he's almost got a box around him. I don't understand the shape of that man. I met them before they were famous at a gig <laughs> oh, at a bar in Exeter. <laughs> And they did, they, did, they did just have a drink at the bar. Uh, this was before they had their big was he, was he as, was He, he as, was huge, yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> were, were they he looked look square? He took, a few, he took a few places up. <laughs> did, did they um, wear shirts with flames on Keith? Ah. They didn't on that particular occasion. I think that was just a marketing ploy by the people who um, sold them to the youth that were enjoying the music. Oh, we're going to write this gentleman. No, that's, that's the lead singer who blossomed as well. He God, looks, we are totally he looks, fat shaming here, but he honestly... Looks, he looks like that Kanye West video, you know, the one where they're walking down the hall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where the giant suits and just little heads I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it is the reason why, uh, you know, kind of uh, hockey jerseys get sold, because they, <laughs> they cover up a multitude of sins. I mean, I, I really, I hate that song. Is it girl with bad girls? Everything about it. Just like, I love the fact they've had to like, put well, like half the picture is like, Ron showed this picture of Bon Vassu. Half the picture is what, three one, men, and half is you on this guy. One gentleman is taking up a third of the picture. <laughs> the other three guys are taking up two thirds of the picture. But uh, will, as photographers will tell us, it's the rule of thirds. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all about proportion. Um, but I, I'll defend some 41 because they've made a few records that I've really dug. They did a couple of um, records that were very kind of like cool, piano-led, melancholy, dark songs that I kind of dig and still listen to now. Right, so yeah, I'm going to get a list of pop-punk bands up and we'll say if they're in Keith, good good news or not. I mean, to uh, be honest, I, I didn't see this coming that he's a some 41 <laughs> fan, to be honest. I've got to respect his music taste because he's always like, I really like PJ Harvey, I like Nick Kay, I like Tom Waits, I like some 41. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, good Charlotte Keith. Terrible. Uh, My Chemical Romance? Terrible. Uh, they have one good song. Yeah, Still like, terrible. Song, yeah. <laughs> uh, Panic at the Disco. Terrible. Blink-182, though, they're, I'll give them a pass. Their Pretty Hard album is actually pretty decent. I yeah, because they're just doing the Beatles Exactly, that's why it's good. Uh, mostly <laughs> the terrible. The rest of it's terrible. <laughs> Green Day. I I think mean, like, do you know what? Any, any band that has a member called Trey Cool just need to go away. <laughs> Fallout Boy. Terrible. Newfound Glory. Terrible. All-time low. Terrible. <laughs> Par- like this feature. <laughs> Parable. Mm, I like it's because he fancies the girl in it. They've had a couple of decent Lady, songs, woman, so we'll give sorry. them a pass. Sexism. Jimmy Eat World, terrible. Uh, I loved it. What the lead singer for Jimmy Eat World? His advice, like if you're ever setting up a band, was think about the acronym that your band initials make oh. before you like. Purchase oh it. god, I never even looked at it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like we can't really sell merchandise with our acronym on. 
<laughs> Weezer. Yeah, I mean, right. like, I like Weezer. We, we, we talked about this the other day. So someone drove past my house blasting Beverly Hills by Weezer from their car. We speculate it could have been Lee because he seemed quite into it. But, like, why, it's, why? It, the reason why is because I made a joke that he was rolling like a celebrity. I mean, like, not only did the fact that we kind of all look like Weezer. But it's about who's driving along listening to Beverly Hills by Weezer at full blast of Billionaire Race. That's where I want That crap guitar. Like, yeah. like One last band, and I forgot these people existed. Five seconds of summer. No, terrible. Aren't they like a boy band? Yeah, I was going to say, weren't they the boy band yeah, Australian version. pop rock band from Sydney, New South Wales. You've not mentioned the worst one. Short to five SOS. No, they weren't. <laughs> they were short to having no career. Yeah. You've not mentioned the worst offender for what? those ones. The, the, what, I can't even remember their name, but it's several seconds to Mars or whatever it is. 30, 30 seconds, seconds to Mars. Yeah, with, with, with uh, Gerard Leighton. With Gerard, why Gerard... <laughs> I can't act, can't sing, what do you do, as Adamant once said. Um, yeah, terrible. Do you have a thing for Jared later? Well, if they, if it's a knife hair. or a pickaxe <laughs> or an ice pick, that's fine. See, I hate him just in general because he's an annoying person and an actor, as an actor. And I like your speaking yeah. like this person like you've met him, like, do you know what, I just got for me and the guy. Well, just he was rubbish in Blade Runner 2049. Do you know who was good in that film, Rachel? But Viv loves him for the very short-lived series, My So-Called Life. Yeah. So yeah. It's silence from Guy and Lee. No, I it's, know what that is. It gets no. a pass. I'm that aware of 90s popular culture references. Yes. Jordan Catalano. I mean, I don't get that much. That's his name. But um, Viv is a big fan of My So-Called Life because it was kind of like one of her favourite shows. Talking of, of Blade Runner 2049, your, your thing about Rachel being a good in it... But she was a CGI creation. Yes. At least she acted far better than the lead actor <laughs> in it, who isn't a CGI create, creation, or could be. Oof. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Sean, it probably wasn't a good idea to get Sean Young back on set as well, probably. She, <laughs> she wasn't on set. She was, uh, <laughs> was like, definitely. No Sean Young allowed. <laughs> Put it that way. Oof. Anyway, Oof. What else have you been up to, Keith? Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've been up to. Have you been doing any more filming with Jean legs? No, no, no. Jeans were harmed during the making of um, this week's activities. Um, I'm trying to think what else I did. I didn't get a switch. That was, that's quite easily catalogued. There were uh, there were some good comics out this week that I really um, got got a lot out of. There was a good um, good new one from Young Animal, which bizarrely, as I don't particularly like his band. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Way has done some really interesting stuff with comics. I really like his stuff. It's, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Umbrella Academy I was a big fan yeah. of I've still yet to watch the um, TV show um, but his Young Animal stuff at DC is really good most of those books have been great and Doom Patrol has come back as well recently which yeah. I'm really pleased about talking of comics where can we find more of your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> irregularly now as it turns out on YouTube um, so yeah so if you subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, we have a playlist which is my kind of comics roundups where I basically just go, yeah, this comic's great, you should buy it. Here's a pi- here's some here's the picture, here's the cover. Ideal for late night viewing, uh, especially for Guy, uh, who loves it uh, a lot. He's uh, very always out for a bit. Um, yeah, and also on every Wednesday, I kind of put what I'm looking forward to buying um, from the comic shop. So um, you should check it out. 
Guy, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> Burping by the sound of Except it. making noises in a chair that don't sound like something else. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... Right, so I'm going to talk about our friend Sam, friend of the show, he comes on every so often. I don't want to doubt too much as to Sam's left life, but there's been a questionable... There was a questionable decision made in regards to Sam's left life. And I'm not going to dwell upon it too much, because it's not fair to Sam. But I will tell you about his date night that he had. Sam has been seeing a girl on and off for a few times now. Uh, it's going relatively well. I'm happy for him. So he arranged to meet her <clears throat> one Saturday night. About that, was that Coffer? He arranged. One Saturday night, about half eight, he invited her over to his. Obviously, he tells me that, being the crude and rude friend that I am. I'm like, wait, like that instantly. Like, I, I know what that means. You know, it's Saturday night, it's late night, they're getting a pizza, they're going to watch a film. We know where that probably's going to lead. Anyway, we won't get into that part of the story. So, the first crucial error Sam made, instead of going out with this girl longer, going for a few drinks, maybe something to eat, he chose to go and watch Midsummer with my girlfriend my friend Phil, for two and a half hours before he met her, instead of me. So he made her wait till half eight so he could watch Midsummer. First crucial bad decision on my side, of, on what I think on my side of things. I mean, Midsummer is not a heartwarming... Day, I mean, I see it's a fantastic piece of cinema, but definitely not the film you're looking to... Not, not a film that's going to get you in any kind of mood <laughs> for an evening with a potential future life, mate. No, it's definitely not. I mean, you could have done a double billing with the Wicker Man to just really <laughs> yeah. throw the nail in there. <laughs> um, anyway, they she came around, I think, I believe about half eight, uh, nine, about nine o'clock. They, they did about half an hour of talking. I would speculate, watched, uh, you know, chose order their pizzas. You're just sitting there mapping out what he I did have to map this out. <laughs> he chose a film to watch. No, no. After the, after the film finished, they went straight to bed because she was very tired. That was it, night over. What what film? Okay, so if you're in this situation, you're you're, you're looking to impress a young lady. What type of film would you put on? Like something. Easy, right? Like a like a, like a comedy, something, something, something that you're not going to pay much attention to. That would genuinely be. Well, you either go with a jump scary horror film, just for the whole implication of mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. or you'd go with a comedy movie, something that again you don't have to pay much attention to. But knowing Sam's love of Disney, I I, I I'm feeling he might have picked something like The Lion King or something like that. I, I want you to give us. A selection of three films, one of which is the offending. Ryan film. knows the answer, so you can't say Ryan does. Okay. Actually know the so answer. you've got to give us, give us, <clears> give us. <throat> okay, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I will. Yeah. Based on my, my my knowledge mapping of the night, I would speculate the film finished about half past eleven. Okay, so bear that in mind. Okay, so they'd ordered food. So we're talking about a two and a half hour gap of a film here. Okay, so we're talking big. He didn't, mind, he didn't he, like take her out to see Midsummer again. <laughs> no, he did not. So what has he put on? A, like Avengers Endgame. Okay, so I'll give you. Let me think of some films here. Okay, so the the Green Mile. Okay, not not particular. Probably your most romantic movie. No. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Again, kind of probably not <laughs> your romance movie. Love Actually. Black Panther. Um, it's not Christmas. Star Trek. So you can't do Love Actually. No. Um, I want more. Avengers Assemble. 
out of those films? What did he pick out of those films to put on as a, as, a, as a date night film? The worst of the bunch there, I think, is Green Mile, like for a date night. This is the this is the first home date. Yes. Yeah. Um, Black Panther. Uh, that he chose Black Panther. Right. He put Black Panther on. So, in an attempt to spend time with this girl, potentially progress things further, instead of putting on a no-brainer film, he put on one of the best films of recent years, which naturally <laughs> they watched to the very bitter end. I just can't fathom why, how that, how that night came to fruition. And then afterwards was like, that was an amazing night. Yeah, of course it was an amazing night. You watched Black Panther. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam, I love you, but... <laughs> so there, there are no beats in that movie where you can even like do the typical date night movie things too. Yeah, there's, there's no opportunity to kind of, you know... Yeah. What's it? I mean... You know, uh, I mean, the bit where Clowell gets shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, why didn't he go for a classic? You know, why didn't he go for something a little bit more kind of, you know, maybe maybe something a little bit musical, kind of, you know. Maybe even musical. like a romantic pretty woman, you know, something, you know. Yeah, yeah. maybe pretty woman's not quite the, the <laughs> probably not the movie. Movie. Probably <laughs> get a girl for. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what I think of but like, this, is, this is why when you mentioned Love Actually, I thought it can't be that one because that one would make sense. Because mm. it is like it's a terrible romance movie, so of course it's perfect for a date night. I mean, you might with a John Hughes type thing. You might yeah. have gone with mm. something. Yeah, like I mean, Mary's Love of Disney could have gone with Lady and the Tramp. You could yeah. have gone with Aladdin. There's many classic Disney mm-hmm. love stories that you could have gone with. Yeah, even with Black Panther. I mean, it's a, it's a top film. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Good choice, but. Maybe like four, four home dates in, maybe. You, I think you would have gone out to that one, yeah. rather than kind of home <laughs> cinema. Uh, if I, I would have not done Midsummer. Yeah, seen that Black is the initially the, that yeah, is yeah. the initial poor decision in yes. here is opting to see Midsummer with us instead of going. That's all right, guys. I'll catch it another time. I'm going on a date, and we would have been like, "That's cool." How you could have watched Disney's Aladdin at the same time in the cinema, yeah. or. Quite equally, could have gone. Come to see, go, gone. Come to see Midsummer. Then we'll go home and we'll watch something to like, you know, chill out, relax, you know, wind down from. Because Midsummer was pretty intense. Let's watch something a little bit lighter, a little bit more throffy, you know, kind of like. We'll find some terrible film on Netflix, which yeah. is like a hallmark movie. Netflix quality. and chill. <laughs> Quite literally. So I, uh, that like I've been spending a couple of weeks kind of like fathoming the kind of like the logic behind the night. And how that came, how how when he was like, oh, let's pick a film, let's go with Black Panther, that came to fruition because to me that was. But I do I put the initial blame for this on to Midsummer. He should not have seen Midsummer. No, Midsummer, Midsummer is not a date night movie in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah this was the one situation where it was okay to blow your friends off on a night out. We would have been totally cool with it. But maybe as well, he was just showing what a what a you know film connoisseur he was to this young lady, and it, it, he's just taking his time. Mother, he's just taking his time. <laughs> yeah, that's the only worst film he could have done is Double Bill Midsummer onto Mother. <laughs> guy, would have, guy, would, guy would have done that. He'd have done Mother <clears throat> Suspiria yeah. and Midsummer as a triple. Oh, the nice. Uh, let's just watch the entire Gaspar Novak catalogue. <laughs> if you want to know all about me, come and see Midsummer, <laughs> Suspiria, and. Oh, you could throw the Phantom Fred in there as well. Yeah, Why not? Say, you know, I do, I, I do highly recommend it. Some though, it was fantastic. 
Yeah, was, I, I just won't get an opportunity to see it at the cinema. Superb cinema. Yeah. Um, I do have something else to raise, though. Keith, I need to ask your opinion on this. So, obviously, the Glastonbury Festival happened. We haven't recorded since it happened. Storms, you went down a storm. The Cure risked it, I think. I think they, they did I good, they, but they, uh, play, they played a Cure yeah. set. For, like, casual fans, that wasn't going to be. The Killers, I thought, were just, an, frankly, an embarrassment. Yeah, it seemed to go down well. But as a Killers fan, how did you rate their set? Because I thought, honestly, I didn't see it was all. tragic. I didn't see it all, so I missed most of it. I did see when they pulled on Johnny Marr at the end of it. I mean, that was embarrassing. It's kind of like... If you're if you're like hanging on a fridge, you think don't bring on two eyes that way better than the Pet Shop Boys and Johnny Mark. I was going to say, I think the Pet Shop Boys being wheeled out. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, yeah, and having their music ruined by the Killers whilst on stage. I think the problem with the Killers is is now is that it's not the Killers. It's uh, it's Brandon and uh, Brandon Flowers, the geezer who does the drumming. The, oh the god, he was milking it at the end of the set as well for everybody cheering him. It's kind of like, mate, seriously, the drummer, yeah. no one knows who you are. But then I, I, <laughs> I watched the the Wombats and Billie Eilish, and that was that. To be honest, all the bands that played during the day were better than the bands <laughs> that played cool on dad. the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they they were better. A lot of the bands that played during the day were better than the bands that headlined, as far as I can tell. I, I, mean, I still think my opinion that Kylie should have been the lead, the actual person on the main stage. Oh, she was very good, yes. yeah. Miley was Cyrus was brilliant, to be fair. I don't really yeah. like Miley Cyrus, but I thought she was great. Yes, I think she had more deserving of the main stage than the Killers. I mean, how did, how did the Killers headline over Janet? I mean, I know Janet didn't do the best performance in the world, but she's Janet Jackson. It's a, it's a crowd pleaser. It's a crowd pleaser. I mean, if you, look yeah. at the, if you look at the makeup of the audience that filled Glastonbury, I mean, you didn't have to look in that audience well, much when Storms was playing. It's 40-somethings with money and it's, rich kids. It's, 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 it? it's, a, it's an audience where the Killers are going to play play well too it's yeah. that kind of um, it's that kind of audience but I did I, Stormzy's performance oh. on the Friday night was great I, I think mean, this is really the thing good. that's happening with all music festivals though because now artists don't earn money off downloads and streams they're all going back on tour and going on a tour worldwide where you can earn an absolute fortune or doing a festival season where you're getting a very small percentage of the gate revenue because the ticket's got to pay for mm. all the bands that are there you'd go off and do your own world tour thing. Well, what do you think is going to happen next year? Because next year is like Glastonbury 50, which is like a, it's like a huge, I think it's 50 or Glastonbury 4 years. It's, It'll be 15. It's, it's, a, be it's 15. a huge one. So it's like, who are they going to get to play? Because the rumour has... It'll be Fleetwood Mac They again. said they rumour has it Fleetwood Mac, but I wouldn't imagine Fleetwood Mac will hold on long enough to that. <laughs> so I reckon that Chris Martin will jump in and say that they're Coldplay will put your headline again. I think, I think it'll be Fleetwood Mac, to be honest. Because there's rumours about Alton John kicking around as well, but... I mean, He's made enough money off Rocket Man and mm. his latest John Lewis advert to not have to work again for another couple of years. But you, I mean, if you're going to do runs it... out of florist bills again. You're mm. going to round up Roger Daltrey and The Who. You're going to get Queen to do it. They're just, you're just going to round up all the... All, all, it's, it's ideally, be, if you were doing Glass it's be a dad band special, of, Yeah, it? it'd be it'd be basically they're going to go right. We're going we're going to have a host for the entire weekend, and that host is going to be, and this will set the stage for who's going to play. It's going to be Jeremy Clarkson. Who's Jeremy Clarkson's going to introduce alive the band. From 1970. Let's have a look. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I'd quite like to see some 41 headline next year. <laughs> I'd go, I, if I could, if I could, I would go and see some some 41 Keys, play live. Keith's festival lineup would be the Wombats headlining. Yeah, man, the Wombats <laughs> are some, some 41, maybe. Guitar. Bit yeah. of churches. Bit of jangly guitar. Jesus and Mary Chain. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd be full on. I, I would, yeah, I'd be... Yeah. Key fest. Pop, pop will eat itself. Key, the wonder stuff. Yeah. 
Ned's atomic dustbin. Get all the arms out. <laughs> Cars and stoppable sex machine. Car, yeah. Men at work. Billy Bragg. <laughs> <laughs> Even Billy Bragg lives there, mate. He's always there. Like wherever you go, there's always a stage where Billy Bragg's just turned up. Like, yeah. oh, do you need? Do you need? Do you need a like a folky like political singer songwriter? Oh, Billy Bragg's here. Well, Get him on. You, you missed the best bit of Glastonbury, which everybody watches the BBC coverage for, which is the slow alcoholism of Mark Radcliffe. Oh, I love Mark Radcliffe getting hammered on that. <laughs> But I loved the fact that Joe Wiley just goes, I know nothing about anything, and yet still I'm here. I'm here like Mark Rappler's Mark knocking back the pints, and there's Joe Wiley so. knocking back the fountain of youth water. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing I was working, trying to work out the other day when I was kind of listening to some Billy Bragg stuff and seeing how Billy Bragg performed. I'm thinking, basically, he's just Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Yep. It's like. You know, so... Oh, he'll be headlining next year, won't he? Probably Bragg. No, Ed Sheeran. It'll be Ed Sheeran and Adele double bill. Ah, fair play. It's Adele. She's funny. She did headline a few years ago, didn't she? She's not had anything tragic to her to happen recently. (laughs) She's got an album. She had a divorce a while ago. Oh, yeah. What's the next next album in line? What was the last one? 25? Yeah. Like, 29 now? Yeah. It'll run out of stuff like, I went down to co-op and I didn't have any fags in. <laughs> with the next album, <laughs> ever diminishing sad events. All my mates had got switches, but I hadn't got one. Tragedy. My cat, my cat had a hysterectomy and had to be kept in an extra week. <laughs> but at least it wasn't the one out of Andrew Lloyd Webber's horrific film adaptation. <laughs> Lee, what have you been up to for the last couple of weeks? Um. Well, we went to a gaming market. We did do. We did go to a gaming market, which yes. was the most. Disorganised thing in the world, yeah. Market, yeah, yeah. So didn't get my product, did you? Well, you you didn't respond in time. I did. You didn't respond. Pick your phone quick enough. You hung up on me the first you time. You had twenty minutes gap. Between <laughs> twenty me, minutes between me sending you the picture. Maze, is it right? And you know, there was a twenty minute gap between me sending you a picture of a Funko Pop of Jeff Goldblum with his shirt. I replied on. in one minute. Took you twenty minutes to walk back no. there. <laughs> Um, there was a sea of people to wade through. It was it was getting in that was fun because they decided that complete chaos was the best way to organise people going what in. Was the best way? Um, it's be- the British way. Yeah, because when I got there, there were t- there was one line which was heading to the door, but then inexplicably a second line that seemed to be going in the other direction. But I was like, well, this line is going in the right direction, so I'm just going to join this one. Got to the end with my ticket ready, and they were like, you're going to need your hand stamped. I'm like, Okay, where do I get that done? Oh, it's around the corner. <laughs> so I go around. The, I go around the corner. Join the other queue. The handstand people aren't there. They're just not there. He's <laughs> <laughs> been mugged off. And everyone who was just everyone standing there was just like, "What the hell's going on?" And eventually, they wandered round and gave the handstands, and then we could go. And it's like. But I've got a ticket on my phone. Let me through the door. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever because it was basically set up in the foyer. Yes. And like in a corridor all the way around. No, that's like the record fair though. And a very small hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which was over. Was it the, the college down in? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. the record fair. But knowing the audience, mainly gentlemen of maybe pl- regular to plus. Bowling for soup. Yes, there'll be there'll be regular plus size gentlemen. Jackamo, Jackamo customers, Johnny Vegas t-shirt wearers. So, knowing this is a gaming market and there will be lots of Jackamo customers there, (laughs) (laughs) would you bring so sizes today? Would you bring your child in a pushchair? 
I mean, mate, a push a pushchair user always comes to inconvenience somebody. I'm going to live today, a couple of pushchair users in my way. It's kind of like, I don't need this. But it's, it wasn't just them, it was also people with massive backpacks. Yes. Who just like to stand well, the there. Dave Massey <laughs> was not present. And then, like, as you're trying to look at something, they'll swing around and just Oh, yeah, you, you, always, you always get that idea of somebody, yeah. somebody takes a giant backpack. Like, like they've gone to Glastonbury at a gig with a backpack or with everything in it like, like the first aid kit Look, you the bottle of water like everything they've ever needed God, you can't leave everything in your tent someone might nick something <laughs> <laughs> the other thing as well is people stopping to have random conversations oh god yeah in the middle of the only space there is to walk yeah so this was it's in like... the, t- the tiny hall and I, I, I was trying to move out into the and there were just three <coughs> people who were standing by one of the stalls they weren't looking at anything on the stalls. They were just having a conversation by the stall. But there were people at the stall next to it, and then a crowd of people trying to get through the the one person sized gap between that. And did you get ratty at them? Uh, I just got stuck. That's where, yes, every, see, that's where you went wrong. Everyone got stuck. <laughs> It was just a massive crowd that was just not moving. Oh, I see. Everyone... She didn't like, like barge into them, like get them away. Like, most of the retailers had no interest in being there as well. You could tell mm-hmm. quite well. Yeah, they were all there for the sheets. And the... So what was the quality of the merchandise on the show? Well, well, it was I the did, Jeff Goldblum figure. I mm. did find one of my Holy Grail items. Yes, you did. Which was? The Game Boy Advance Micro. Okay. Which is one of the hardest Game Boy Advances to find. Mm-hmm. It started at the very end of the Game Boy run. It was after the Game Boy Advance SP launched. Priced reasonably. Oh no, they're never priced reasonably. Mm-hmm. Some models go up to £300 for a Game Boy Advance Micro, which is an old one. But I found one for 50 quid, which needs a little bit of fixing up to do. But yeah. I thought that was very reasonable. Yeah, and I managed to get a copy of Soul Reaver 2 on the PS2 for 2 quid. Oh, sorry. Which was uh, pretty good. Uh, I was also interested in getting Banjo Tooie, uh, but that was like 40, 50 quid, and I was just like, yeah, no, get out. Oh, <laughs> is that for the N64 stuff? Yeah, I think yeah, I've logged yeah. on eBay for 20 quid. Yeah. And Guy almost had a shirtless Jeff Goldblum Funko Pop. Yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. And Keith got a Godzilla. I know. It's a, a nice little Bandai out of their kind of um, candy range. They did have the rest of them, but they were all ranged between more expensive. So it was like, I'll get Keith the Godzilla. No, that was priced all right. The Jeff Goldblum was priced too high. We go back to topless Jeff Goldblum. Everybody wants a topless Jeff Goldblum. Well, it's a bread-headed Funko, which Keith hates. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Goldblum was at Glastonbury and he was great. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, he was just he was, just, he was like, in between songs. He was just being Jeff Goldblum between songs. It was like that is brilliant. Wearing ridiculous trousers. Yeah, so this is the thing. I don't think he acted at all in Thor Ragnarok. I think that's just Jeff Goldblum. He is just a just his life. person who just wanders around. Yeah, I don't think he's acted as a character in any of his films. Has I, he like, really? I like he's the just... fact he's still quite inappropriately sleazy, but like because it's Jeff, we'll let him get yeah. away with it. I loved it when he was doing an interview with Chris Moyles a few months ago because Moyle has a very specific name in Judaism. And Moyle is the guy who performs the bris. Okay. 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 <laughs> so basically he was just making inappropriate jokes about that for the entire interview with Chris Moyles. It's funny you mention that because um, recently, because in my D&D game my characters have recently levelled up. So I was looking through the spells and there's a spell called Shadow of Moyle. <laughs> And I was like, I know that's like a Jewish thing, but like, and now you've said that, now I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's that's an interest. I don't think the spell has anything to do with that, but it would be an interesting take from Wizards of the Coast if they did that. 
It's one way to unsheath something, I suppose. Hey, it's it's one way to take down an enemy, I guess. (laughs) What else have we been up to? Um, Not a lot, to be honest. I mean... Any YouTube ferrets first? Not at the moment. I'm still trying to get like a bit of a backlog of that together. Um, Have you finished Bloodstained Symphony? I have finished it. Was it worth it? It was worth it. It's a very good game, I think. Possibly my game of the year so far. Mm. Although... Judgment, which I have been playing since then, so is Judgment is basically Yakuza, but from the other side. Yeah, you're a you're a private detective, and but you still have some dealings with the Yakuza within there. So it's a bit sleeping dogsy, a little bit, yeah. But it's sort of very much within the Yakuza sort of world. Yeah. But it's changed. It's added a couple of things to make it a bit more. You're a detective, so you've got tailing missions yeah. and you've got investigation missions. All the investigation missions have cats in them. Yeah. I'm- I'm still annoyed at the fact that they haven't made a second Sleeping Dogs game now. Mm, it didn't sell very well, I think. So. It sold massively when they re- sent the remastered version on Steam. Mm. So, but it might be one of those situations where... Because yeah. I know that that was one of the games at a time where Square Enix was like... Well, it was supposed to be true crime streets of Hong Kong, yeah. and then it all went crazy. I think that was at the time where Square Enix just wouldn't accept the sales of any game yeah. as acceptable. I think it was around the same time Tomb Raider came out as yeah. well, and that... It sold like 3 million copies. And they're like, yeah, but we wanted 6 million copies. Even though no game in that series has sold 6 million copies before. Yeah. Um, but it's got the voice of Camilla Ludington now, so everybody's going to want yeah. it. But, um, but yeah, I think Sleeping Dogs did maybe a million or two or something like that. But that wasn't good enough. Yeah. They wanted 5, 6 million. It's like, you're not going to sell that much for a game like that. But um, but now I've been playing Judgment, and that's it's a lot of fun. It's still got the same sort of sense of humour as, as Yakuza, but... From the other side now, and and the uh, the protagonist isn't like uh, a confused old man about technology, and actually has a smartphone and a drone. <laughs> and a switch <laughs> doesn't have a switch. But where can we find your regular gaming roundups? Uh, you can find it on uh, uh, geekybrummy.com every Friday, and uh, as we record this, one of them should have just gone up. He <laughs> went up a couple of hours ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. All right, then what have you been doing? Come on, you want to be out there? Let's let's hear let's hear what he's got to say. Well, right. Let's hear the, the fact. I, I've had more train experiences. You see, right, you keep messaging me in the morning, whinging about train stuff, and it's kind of like, mate, that is my day, that's been my day-to-day life for the past year. That you're like, I've been on the train and somebody somebody touched me briefly. Like, <laughs> that's life. That's life. Wait, you're saying that people touching you briefly is life? No, it's completely inappropriate. Um, I want to sue everybody who touches me. That, that sounds like a very Zen sentence. Life is people touching you briefly, briefly. but for a moment. Ah. But um, so we had a day off in the middle of the week because it was his birthday. So we just thought we'd have a chill day, go out for a bit of food. So we went to the train station a bit later than usual. And whilst we were sat on the bench of our platform waiting for the next train to arrive. Uh, a lovely old lady got into a, a gold-coloured Rover 25, which I didn't realise they were still <laughs> going around as it was. Uh, got in, proceeded to rev the car very loudly, and then pull forward, <laughs> and then pull forward in a parking space and crash into the wall that was two foot in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> to the stage where her car was broken enough that she had to go and call somebody to repair it to come and collect the car. I mean, I'm quite glad that that happened. Yeah. Just because I, I like, it, that yeah. kind of that kind of person with that kind of car, like yeah, okay. But it does kind of give you this thing of when is an appropriate age to 
basically saying, no, you can't drive anymore. God, we're all on it today. We'll be in sizes, stages. <laughs> That's just chucking a bit of sexism to boot. Well, we know our reaction time goes down as we get older. Like, I'm rubbish at like Twitch games nowadays because I just can't keep up with the youth. I don't know. I've weirdly gotten better. I don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> I just find it very odd that people should be driving old, ancient gold rovers around to and from the train station and not realising what's reverse and first gear. I mean, to be fair, I've like crashed into a pillar in a car park before. Is that driving around, or was it you were already parked? I was pulling out of a space, but I turned into the pillar, and that's the problem, because I turned too early. So it was one of the pillars that's next to the space. So I think that's more reasonable than revving mm-hmm. the shit out of your engine. Yeah, I didn't drive forwards into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key thing here, I was reversing. <laughs> Did she look really confused by the whole situation? Well, she got out. Oh dear, I crashed my car. She got out of the car, looked, went round to the front of a car, looked at the front of a car, looked up, got back into a car, then pulled the mobile phone out of a handbag and must have probably been on the phone to her <laughs> partner or something, basically go, yeah, the car's dead. Because <laughs> when we got back that evening, the car had gone, mm-hmm. but there was a suspicious leakage of fluid in the same parking space. <laughs> <laughs> From the car. From the car, yes. Okay. That's... Not that kind of suspicious <laughs> fluid. <laughs> what do you reckon the name was? I love, I love trying to work out an old person name. I'd, I'd say it's of the Dorisy generation. <laughs> okay. Alright. But train runners again, still, still fascinated by the train running. I feel like David Attenborough should narrate people getting off the train when they get <laughs> pulled into a station. Because you see every genre of person. Yeah, it just, it's just, it's just, it attracts a weird type of person. There's a person who gets on my train, I don't, I don't like him, don't know anything about him, just take him to dislike him, become Dinosaur Man. Because he, he looks like a caveman. But for some reason, my head dinosaur man stuck, so yeah. it looks like a caveman. Just, I mean, he's like, I'm not sure he particularly likes the look of me. I definitely don't like the look of him. So I've taken a dislike to him, dinosaur man. Yeah, I've found a trade nemesis as well. Oh, yeah. Because it's yeah. a dinosaur man. <laughs> well, this lady, as I was getting on the train at Snow Hill, went under my armpit to jump into the only double seat left, which I was trying to get to. That's me a bold move. Ooh, <laughs> under the arm? That's not a, that's not a sanctioned technique for train boarding. <laughs> How sweaty were you? I was quite sweaty. It was a very warm day. That's a bold move on her behalf. Yeah. Yes. But she stole the only double seat left, so me and Viv had to seat separately. Talking of seat stealers, I had a situation that cropped up. Sorry, I went to go and see yesterday. God help me. <laughs> Why? Um, Why? Oh, I don't know. Uh, was it as awful as we all thought it was yes, going to be? Yes, it was very much awful. Um, but Lily James is in, she's delightful, so that's okay. <laughs> um, that makes up for everything. Um... I mean, even if, if, are you guys going to watch the film? No. No. Keith? What do you think? No. <laughs> Probably not. So there's this, this completely moment where I was completely offended. Because obviously the, Be- the Beatles didn't happen. Some sort of bizarre incident that creates a world where like, the Beatles didn't exist, Oasis didn't exist, <laughs> because I'm meant to be like the Beatles. Cigarettes don't exist and Coca-Cola doesn't exist. But anyway, because the Beatles didn't exist, John Lennon never got shot, so at the end of the film, the guy goes to visit the older John Lennon, and it literally is a guy in like makeup to look like John Lennon, and I was just like, this is genuinely shocking. <laughs> I was appalled. But that aside, went to the cinema, I went on a half day from work, it was quiet, there was barely anybody in there. Was Gobbly present? He wasn't present, no, not at this time. I booked a seat, got in there, little old woman sat in my seat. It's like, are you joking me? It's a quiet cinema, you've got different seats sat in my seat. 
was fuming, didn't take the seat. Anyway, went to finish at the cinema, got the train back home, walking around the supermarket. There she was in the supermarket. And she's stolen your trolley. Walked walk past her, like, really enjoyed that film. No, no I didn't say that. You know, I said, um, didn't enjoy that film. Didn't enjoy the fact someone stole my seat either and gave the date look. And Laura was just like, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> did, did she get in front of you at the uh, checkout? <laughs> nah, thankfully not. But, like, why would you, why would you steal my seat? Like, did, did you check your trolley afterwards to see if they had, all the items were still present? <laughs> or she'd been playing shopping for others and putting stuff into my trolley. And she... What? Because she she'd have had to have gone through the process, and part of that process is to select where you want to sit. Yeah, and I didn't put my ticket online. So why did she sit somewhere that she couldn't? She hadn't already chosen. Why didn't she just choose the seat next to you? Maybe it's the same lady who drove into the wall at our train station. She was still in shock. There was no reason for her to sit in that seat. It was clearly booked by me. (laughs) Did you show her your ticket? I couldn't be bothered. You said this was a quiet cinema. So, does this mean there were a lot of empty seats? There was a lot of empty seats. So, yeah. basically, this was a non-issue. <laughs> it's a Richard Curtis movie, not out of Christmas. It's, it's, a, it's a non-issue, but it was still technically... It was my seat. <laughs> See, now, why didn't you sit behind her and just kick her seat? Because <laughs> yeah. that would have been the thing. You could have just kicked, like, just like, oh, sorry, I've just moved my feet. I did, I did that. Constantly I did that at Toy Story 4, so there was a child sat in front of me when I see Toy Story 4. And he was fidgeting a little bit, so I gave the seat a warning kick, so if we carried on moving for the whole film he knew what was coming so it was just a sit as I sat down I went gave the seat a little bit of a boot so he knew that like if I keep messing around and I keep fidgeting in my seat this is what's going to happen so the, so, the only thing yesterday <coughs> made me think of is what if Richard Curtis has done Ian Curtis's life story he'll cry <laughs> Just the whole thing just it was, makes no sense whatsoever. Was it sponsored by Pepsi? Is that why there were no Coke? <laughs> he spent the whole, most of the film trying to remember like lyrics to the Beatles songs, and it's like, like no one can remember all the lyrics to the Beatles songs. Like that is impossible. But, okay, why? But why doesn't Coke exist? I don't know. It's never explained. Is it because there's like one Beatles song that references it, and somehow Richard Curtis has decided that that's like what well, the, uh, the, the Beatles invented Coke? That somehow that popularised it. You know, yes. all tobacco products are invented by there the Beatles. A, there is a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense in that. Film. Also, he's not the only person to not know the Beatles. Isn't there two mm. other people know? And like, I don't understand. All these three people have some accident at the same time. And even so, how they're having an accident? How they're having a blackout completely wipes out the concept of the Beatles. I, I, just we've, we've been through this. It was utter nonsense. Richard Curtis is a fool. Right, Lily I've, James I've, is delightful. I have Googled it, and the three lead actors, which it says in any kind of Google thing when you Google a movie now, is Himesh Patel, who's it, Jack Malley. Yeah. Lily James, who plays Ellie. Who is the third actor that appears on the list of actors in this movie? Uh... Ed Sheeran. Yes, it is Ed Sheeran. With Kate McKinnon in fourth spot. Oh, <laughs> Kate McKinnon got robbed. And but she hasn't been in Game of Thrones. Then it's James Corden. Then it's the actual James Beatles. Corden's in it for like a minute. <laughs> then it's James Corden. Then it's Ringo Starr. <laughs> Ringo Starr's not even in it. <laughs> Apparently he is, according to the cast. He's not in it. And then you've got Anna de Armour. What? Anna de Armour. Who? Her from Blade Runner. I don't even remember her being in it. Um, like the the secondary cast was like like the guy from the Kumars and his wife Sanjeev Bhaskar he didn't even get in on this. Uh, and that Joel Fry you know from Plebs they were like the secondary <laughs> cast 
I mean, I've already found the main problem with yesterday if James Corden is in it even for a second. <laughs> Anyone who casts James Corden <laughs> doesn't John know Lennon's what they're doing. In the cast. <laughs> hey, John Lennon is apparently in the cast. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's not even less it's archive footage there. Oh, dear. It, it, Google movies <clears throat> never really works properly, and now we know why. But Ed Sheeran stop, needs to stop bloody acting and singing. Yeah, he's not, he's bloody, not very good. Yeah. Stop acting. You're not an actor. Mm. Glorified busking does not qualify you to be an actor. Like, when he was in Game of Thrones, just bugging himself off. It's, it's glorified busking, but he's desperate to be a pop star yeah. at the same time. So that's why he's always, that's why he's done this collaborations album. You just like get all these hey, big yeah. popular people. So it's like, I'm cool too. I'm hanging out with all... I'm hanging out with Beaver now. This is my my theory is he doesn't actually have tattoos. That he just like has those like sleeve ones that you can buy. Uh, transfers that you used to get <laughs> yes. in like trading cards you rubbed them on. Yeah. Because Google's not a trustworthy kind of search thing. I have gone to IMDB to see the actual credit listings for this. Yeah. So according to this, the person under the makeup be uh, as John Lennon was, yeah. was Robert Carlyle. No way! Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing! <laughs> But it's, un- it's an uncredited role, so it doesn't tell you at the end of the film oh that's who it God. is. Uh, he's fallen far from the tree, hasn't he? So there's an awful, oh. there's an awful lot of uncredited um, people here, including some poor bloke called Mark Hugh Williams, who's Ed Sheeran's roadie uh, and gets an uncredited role. According to IMDb, though, uh, both both John Lennon, the actual John Lennon, and um, I was going to say Roland Gift for some reason, but I mean. Uh, the, the other geezer, Star. the drummer. Yeah. Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr Star and Roland Gift easily mixed up. He wasn't in it either. But there was an awful lot of uncredited people. In fact, the majority of the cast was uncredited. <laughs> so so does Lenny Henry pop up as his comic relief stable mate? See, like, hearing that uh, Ringo Starr is allegedly on the cast list just made me imagine, what if he was the narrator? <laughs> it just became to- like Thomas the Tank Engine. But <laughs> Desperate Housewives style. <laughs> the, the good thing about IMDb is above Ed Sheeran, uh, in their cast list is Dominic Coleman, whose role was the Ipswich TV host, um, <laughs> beating Ed Sheeran, who was playing apparently a uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, which is quite nice. So it's yeah. quite a reach, quite a challenge. Yeah, for so it was it. a challenging, challenging role. role for him. He was in it too much. Some someone's job on the uh, someone's casting is YouTube presenter brackets uncredited. <laughs> that, that that's got to be really bad for your career. All right, should we should we crack on with show, some actual content? Some content yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we all went to see Spider Man, right? Nope. Carry oh, on. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> me, Keith, you and carry I on. have all gone to see Spider Man Far From Home. We're trying to work out what the next home reference is going to be. My, um, I, my, I think it's going to be Home Alone. I wasn't that far from home where I went yeah. to see Spider Man. It was quite close, actually. Yeah. I think it's going to be Spider Man Home Alone for number three, though. I'd watch Spider Man Home Alone. That would be quite interesting to watch. As long as you've got Joe Pesci in for it. I think it'll be Spider-Man Home and Away. Right, before we get really in-depth into it, spoilers will abound, so if you've not watched the movie or watched Endgame, stop listening now and come to the next chapter. What do you think, Keith? Uh, well, you know, we've had, what, six Spider-Man films up till now. Yes. Not kind of uh, uh, including the Nicholas Hammond one, which was just a cobbled together TV episodes. Yeah. Um Tom Holland, still perfect Spider-Man. The, the, the perfect Spider-Man. Um, the whole thing just worked. It was it was Spider-Man as I would like to see him. It was riffing off everything that made comic Spider-Man so interesting, and 
Jake Gillian all was absolutely amazing. Yes. As Quentin Becky was for absolutely stunning. That role was incredibly well played, even though I knew something yeah. was gonna go wrong. The way they, they the way they played that, the actual way they um, created the the switch between what we were seeing and then what came in the second half of the movie, I thought was brilliantly well played. Marvel continually yeah. managed to get it right every uh, time. So we've got him dealing with the the post death uh, post death of his father figure in the Marvel universe with Tony Stark. Yeah, I know. well, they, they kind of deal with the whole kind of post blip thing entirely, kind of quite riff, quite quickly riff off that. Why I mean, why why are people back? I I think it was done a little bit too quickly and too ham-handedly a little bit. I, I, I thought it was good that they just went, it happened, people came back, let's continue. Because yeah. you just got bogged down in stuff that a billion internet trolls would have tore apart. Yeah, so like, oh, this wouldn't happen, this wouldn't have been yeah. right. I think it was good to just go, it happened, it's done, let's move on. It was fun to see the footage of people returning from the blip. Would yeah. like have stuff just like they just reappeared randomly wherever they disappeared from, mm. which does bring into what if, what happens if like the building they were in had been demolished in the meantime and stuff like that. What happens if you were having intercourse when it happened? Not only would you have been unsatisfied when it happened, but like say say if you were at the point of climax, <laughs> like when, you, when it happened, would like you accidentally come back then onto <laughs> someone out on someone to someone potentially someone who's may have moved into that place in five years, someone else's bed, and literally like accidentally <laughs> blip all over their bed sheets. <laughs> like I, no one's thought of that one, have they? I would like to see an MCU movie explore that. Yeah, an R-rated MCU yeah. movie, but um. Yeah, I felt it was dealt with a little bit too quickly, but I understand why. So I just really wanted to get on with the plot of the film. Um, MJ is great. Zendaya is doing a great job. Yeah. I think yeah, she had a little, a little less to do in this yeah. one than the previous one. No, she definitely had more to do. She was, she, more she was, she was a proper no, character I, I, this she time. Might have been, she might have been in it more, but she had less to do less impact on the overall story. She was just kind of there until the end when she revealed that she knew that Peter was Peter. <laughs> I, I always feel like like she might she needs glasses because like she just she looks like she's like always straining her eyes and whatever yeah. like she's she looks like she's like looking really hard at the camera like oh, I can't quite see what's going on. But I think that worked for the plot because it's this whole thing. What about, her needing glasses? No, I mean her being a bit more distant for the first half of the movie because it's basically about Peter's love for her. Mm. and how he's got this massive pressure on her and he doesn't know how to deal with it so I think her being a bit distant helped kind of like my friend Sam yeah at least he didn't show a Black Panther yeah (laughs) (laughs) what just just brings in (laughs) just brings in Chadwick Boseman King of Wakanda (laughs) MJ who is Black Panther Chadwick Boseman but but we can't we can't we can't he can't meet him until 9 o'clock because I've got to go see this Midsummer (laughs) film first but I think that worked for the plot is having her a little bit distant from Peter and you had the whole subplot with what's his face is it Russell or Randall or what's his best mate Giacomo (laughs) not Ned Ned (laughs) Ned he always reminds me of Russell from Earth, that's why. Ah. I like I like I like the, the Grand Budapest kid hotel yeah. like Flash kid, Thompson. Yeah, yeah, again hitting the nuts. That yeah. that was a that was a brilliant moment in the trailer. It's still uh, brilliant yeah. in the actual film, which is quite funny because it just comes from nowhere. It's like it's got nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. It just happens. <laughs> and like it's Ned... always funny when someone gets hit in the nuts, right? Yeah. I love the whole Ned subplot with the romance as well. Yeah. 
I wasn't expecting Betty, that at Betty all. Brandt, yeah. yeah, that's good. I, that I thought that was quite good. Do you yeah. know what was weird? Like, what, I can't I, take JB Smooth seriously because all I was thinking was Kirby and Yeah, like, <laughs> Larry, you got to put the uh, on the pedestal. <laughs> all I was thinking was he was going to have a talk with Peter at some point oh, and just reuse us. Because, like, yeah, I, lo- I love JB Smooth. I think I think JB Smooth is hilarious, and I watch anything he's in. But I do, I feel like this restricted him from going the full JB Smooth that he could have been. Yeah. Like watching Curve and loving Leon. Like I just wanted him to go into full on Leon mode as well. But it, it was great he was in it, but I feel like I feel like I wish they'd done more with Leon. Yeah. Like in a way, like uh, he's called Leon, so I don't know what yeah. his character was. Leon, Leon in a Spider-Man film. And then you've got Guilfoyle as the other teacher. Yeah, I like the fact Mike Stark got a bigger from, role in yes. this. Yeah, but he's just always gonna be Guilfoyle from Silicon Valley. Yeah, pretty much. But I, I, I think they, I think with the structure of the film, because I was doing it as a road trip movie, it was very kind of bullet pointed, but it, rather we, than do. That we didn't really dive into the character or anything like it was, that. It was, it was done like a comedy film in a way. It was, it was a very, it was a, it was an action comedy. That yeah. was what I found it was like a bit, bit of a road trip action comedy, yeah. teen, teen comedy. I found it very funny. Yeah. Like it was very light hearted. I think even that, the action wasn't huge. Yeah. Like it was, it was just all very funny. I think the Edith bit was very well done because it was, it was something you could imagine Tony Stark would have set up, knowing what was going to happen. A little bit. Probably expecting a little bit of an older Peter at that point in view. I think uh, Happy was great. I love John Favreau. I mean, he's a beautiful man anyway yeah. for bringing the Lion King to the screen. So, but John Favreau, I think, was great uh, in his chemistry with uh, Aunt. What's face? Aunt May. Aunt, what's her face? Melissa Torme as Melissa Torme. Yeah, but I think that worked really well. Um, said, I really liked in the end credit bits, like when they showed, like they had like the cartoony bits, and it was him riding like a rock or something like yeah. that. It <laughs> made me laugh like stupidly. It was very. I, it felt a lot like an eighties John Hughes movie. Yeah. kind of throughout. It, it geared towards that kind of what it was, what it was like to be a yeah. teenager, and it kind of played that, and the whole kind of father figure dynamic that they had between the loss of Tony and the yeah. appearance of Quentin. I and, mis- and the Mysterio thing worked brilliantly. I mean, the whole yeah. costume thing worked. Well, the, I thought that was a perfect explanation about how can you get around Mysterio's powers mm. in this kind of MCU because Mysterio is yeah. the master of illusion, and it's all fakery and it's all trickery, and it was very well done. Is how they did it. But did the whole thing of having you know um, Jake wandering around in a mocap suit for yeah. a whole a large and probably proportion. the actual mocap suit that yeah, he's it's wearing? Just like yeah. genius idea. For that, I, I, it was re- it, it was it was proper Spider Man. That yeah. was the thing. It was quippy. I, it was fast. It was. I think the whole premise of why he's turned bad though was a bit rubbish. Because it was just kind of like, yeah, Tony Stark annoyed you once, therefore now you're going to be a whiny. I mean, don't forward. don't underestimate the power of holding a grudge, Ryan. It's something quite uh, something I do often. <laughs> and if someone is someone annoys you, then yeah, I could I, I could probably push it to that well, level. I, I think I mean, it was. I, it was the more... post I saw on the internet was basically saying the next villain of a Marvel movie is going to be the guy who was caught playing Gallagher in the first Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah. It could happen, but I kind of like the idea that it was this sense of somebody felt that he'd been passed over and deserved more than they got. I think in the yeah. in the current world. The idea of people thinking that they deserve more than they get, yeah, for no real reason other than they see other people getting something, and it's like, well, that should be mine. Why haven't I got it? Yeah, yeah. I thought quite, quite, quite impactful as well. There was, yeah. there was a little, there was, a, there was quite a few things in there that it was trying to say something about. Yeah. 
the other only, stuff. The only thing I haven't really liked with the new Spider-Man film so far, whilst I've really enjoyed them, Tom Holland's great, there's like not as much New York-based Spider-Man that we've seen, like, say, in the Tony well, Wars. Like, because you, you traditionally one. associate him swinging around the environment, the streets of New York, and things like that, like the scenery. Yeah. And the imagery I'd expect to see with Spider-Man film, like, especially, like, playing the Spider-Man game and swinging around, like, New York and stuff like that. Like, I felt that the two films, whilst they've been great, haven't really relied on that that much, and I feel like that's kind of, like, I still... You've that's, lost, that's distant from this Spider-Man at the moment. You've for lost me. the still, friendly neighbourhood aspect. Yeah, I feel I need. Yeah. I still I need that to be in the third film. Yeah. So I can fully embrace this as a as a as a Spider-Man because well, like it's yeah. just. You just traditionally you, you see this image of Spider-Man. He's flying past high buildings on a bit of cable. Yeah. Suppose if you look at the set piece of the first movie, you have the bit in the suburbs. You have the bit on the boats. Then you have Washington DC, which I get. They're trying to do something different to yeah. what they've been doing over the last yeah. few movies. But I do. I, I feel like this is the time we need to be a bit more of an adult Spider-Man in a in a more New Yorky setting. I mean, the the one thing that gets me is though the movie itself. I don't think had the impact of the two post-credit sequence. The movie was fun though. Like the, the, the movie sequence, was funny. The, the credit sequence is a yeah. setup of. Well, four, I think I? yeah. I think the movie movie itself was great and it's fun, and I'd love to rewatch it just as a fun movie. But I think if you've been that invested into the MCU... Or watching it, you know, with a date at yeah. 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, the last two sequences are pretty much worth more than the film was. I, I think, I think Spider-Man, as a film, needed to happen post-Endgame. Yeah. It, was, it was the credo, it was the kind of um, epilogue that we needed to just go, all of this stuff has happened, but life goes on. Yeah, And the important things are family... Friends, relationships. Yeah, it, it was kind of reinforcing that idea that like th- things have gone, stuff isn't coming back, yeah. but you can move forward. So I think as a as a as a narrative, yeah, it was an important film to have before we in- get into phase four. It, it, as I said it was a coded phase three, wasn't it? It was kind of you'd had that big bombastic thing with Endgame, and this was like just a leave you with something like 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 Ant Man was yeah. into phase two, mm-hmm. yeah, but. This was the last picture in the deal for Sony and Marvel as well. I think it was supposed to be six movies that Spider-Man was in. Yeah, I can't remember what had what the. So we've had Civil War, on, yeah. we've had Avengers: Infinity War, and Avengers: Endgame, and then we've had Homecoming and Far From Home. So there might be one left. Yeah, potentially. But if, if I was Sony, yeah, I would like go. You know what, Marvel? You carry on. Yeah. We've proven ourselves to be less than adequate. Yeah. That, uh, doing this by ourselves yeah. um, but I, I think as well the other thing about Spider-Man is that it does need to come out of New York because at this point in time in the Marvel Universe that, everybody's been in New York yeah. too much has happened in, in New York City so bringing Spidey out is quite good although the other thing that really annoys me now is every time I see a toy yeah. that stealth suits Spider-Man I keep wanting to cross it out and write Night Monkey <laughs> It's like, it's not stealth suit, it's Night Monkey. We've quite clearly established this within the context of the film, that I, it's Night Monkey. I didn't enjoy the scene where he got caught changing into the Night Monkey suit for the first time. <laughs> okay. but, but again, I think trying to make another villain rather than Flash in one of his classmates just didn't work as well. No, I think they're, they're saying that. Up. I reckon they're going to become friends in the next one. Because he idolises Spider-Man, and he now everybody 
based on the credit scene, knows who Spider-Man is. I think he's going to idolise him. I mean, he's a little little fanboy around yeah. him. Well, shall we go to the post-credit sequences? So the best, the biggest and best reveal was the return of J. Jonah Jameson. Not my tempo! Yes. J.K. Simmons is the only person to play J. Jonah Jameson. And he, he was perfect to have him back. And doing this whole right-wing internet... Yeah, crazed person. But did you kind of think Isn't that, that what was... they did in the game? Pretty much. Yeah, it's basically I, I, like a yeah, Alan Alex Jones. Yeah, because I'd, I'd heard something. So I hadn't played yeah. the PS4 game, but I had heard that they'd done something like that with him. Yeah, but it's basically like he's just like a crazy YouTube ranter at this stage. Um, the Daily Records, his web show. So he's pretty much just he's fully become Cave Johnson from Portal Two at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> But the whole thing is, it's Mysterio's final act of trickery, isn't it? Which was editing the how he dies versus mm. Spider-Man's now evil and he's got an army of drones. But I did kind of, I did think it was well. It was a little bit of a callback to the first Iron Man film. Yeah. That ends with with Tony consciously revealing that he's Iron Man to yeah. kick off that, and now you're at the point where Peter's forced into the revelation that he is Spider-Man. Yeah. So I thought there was an interesting book ending between the, the first and the last isn't, film. Isn't that video just going to set up the Sinister Six because I guess they're just going to be wanting all that tech, aren't they? So well, I don't think Mysterio's dead, either. No, I think he's done. I think that that's done. I think there's plenty of opportunity if Jake Hall wanted to go back. They could bring him back quite easily. But there's such a good roster of villains for Spider-Man that I don't feel they need to bring him back. I don't know. Because, you know, because we, this Biggie still, you know, we've got to do Dr. Octopus, we've got to do Norman Osborn, like a Mysterio now, like, that was cool for this film, but like, I want to see like, these other ones now. Well, the director has said if he gets another movie, he'd really like to do a take on Craven, who's a villain we've not seen in the spot. I think they need to do Norman Osborn next. I would like to see Craven the Hunter though, because that would work with the plot of Spider-Man is now becoming... Did you just say Spider-Man? He did say Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of, the, one of the other Into the Spider-Verse characters. Yes. <laughs> Where Spider-Man is hunted by Craven. Yeah. I would think that would work really nice as a movie. I think, I think the beauty of somebody like Spider-Man is he's got such a, a wealth of um, backstory and, and villains yeah. that you could go in multiple directions. I think the Sinister Six is, Sinister Six is still probably a little early. Yeah, to pull that together. Depends how depends you. how much more they've negotiated. Well, they can always get Andrew Garfield back to make that Sinister Six movie. I feel like if they haven't negotiated much more of this deal, they've only got one film more, 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 maybe one or two more films negotiated. They're gonna have to do the Sinister Six because oh. they want they want Marvel. They, people want Marvel to do that properly for the once. So I think they're going to have to. They, they've really got no choice if they can't. If the deal's done at that point, if they've got some more flexibility and some more films in their belt of the deal, then yeah, you're right. They probably could pace it out a bit. But I think if Personally, for me, I think if they haven't, then I want to see that come, that happen next. But to maybe be set up over a few Marvel films, so like, so like the groundwork gets laid for it. You see, because I I would love it if Marvel kind of really went with it and kind of went, okay, the next the next Spider-Man film, Vincent D'Onofrio will come in as the kingpin, as the main villain of that, and it will be the kingpin that pulls together the Sinister Sticks characters in a similar way to what happened in the so, comics. And keeping the Daredevil constantly. And keeping the Daredevil thing going, which would be quite good, because I can't see anybody else now being the kingpin, and kingpin originally was a character yeah. um, in Spider-Man before he was connected too, too greatly to um, 
to Daredevil, and so yeah. the Kingpin's got a lot of connections with characters like Craven and the rest of the, of the rest yeah. of the kind of some of the, a lot of the villains that he he's employed to um, to, to to kill Spider Man. Okay, let's let's cover off the last post credit scene then. So it's pretty much set up. The scrolls are back around. Yeah, and it's. The scrolls are back in town. Do you think it's Secret Wars they're going to No, I don't think it's Secret Wars because it would make no sense at this point. Um, they all seem very friendly. Unless there's a civil war between the scrolls, yeah, that would that would make sense. I'm more interested in the idea that Nick Ca- Nick Cave is <laughs> <laughs> now in the, in the Marvel that Universe. That is a Phase Four movie. I want Cave to Agent see. of Shield. Nick Cave, Agent of Shield. Yeah, God, that'd be fantastic. Nick Fury was on a space station. With loads of scrolls, with with a lot of people, and I'm kind of like I would like them to move forward with the idea of of sword, which is the space based yes. equivalent of yes. um, of shield. Not gonna be able to and we that have seriously. we have some kind of more stuff like that because there's a lot of interesting characters that are Abigail Brand and all the rest of them. That are well, in, that Agents are of Shield is ending after the next season, and I think it's got further and further away from the MCU as it's ran along. But sword is a possibility, I suppose, to replace that. Yeah, I mean, because it, it could tie into anything that happens with um, Thor and the Guardians. That, that are more of a, a as Guardians of the Galaxy. We all yeah. know it's going to be as Guardians of the Galaxy um, before we even get anywhere else. But I'd like, I'd like to see that. Oh, that was really good um, in terms of, of um, setting setting that up yeah. the next kind of phase of what's going on. Some people have said online because I don't know too much about Skrulls that. <clears throat> it's maybe going to be a, they said because Fury mentioned about about a Cree sleeper cells it might be a Cree school scroll war. Well, you, I mean, happens. yeah, that would make that would make a lot of sense as well with Captain Marvel. Yeah, and, and the whole kind of Cree school scroll war that would be quite interesting because again, that's the thing that could connect a lot of other stuff together. Involvement well, it, it with it the Fantastic back Four side and said, yeah, Captain yeah, Marvel, side. which would be really good. What if what if people thought next Avengers film was a Cree scroll war? And then somehow Earth let down the scrolls. Some of the scrolls turned on Earth. It could work. Yeah, yeah, I think that post-credit scene kind of signals out to the more broader Marvel. Yeah, um, it, it was bringing in the more cosmic side of the Marvel yeah. universe. I mean, the one thing I did notice throughout the film, which I thought was odd, was Nick Fury. The three scratches were really prominent, yeah. which hadn't been until Captain Marvel. So I'm thinking, is it a case of he hasn't actually seen Nick Fury and he's going off what he remembers from the time? Yeah, because we've no idea when Tell- Telos and that came back to Earth to take yeah. over from Nick. So we've no idea at which point the yeah. exchange happened. How long has Nick been in space? It puts weight now to that thing that people say at the end of Endgame. They could see Ben Mendelsohn in the back of that shot in Sp- when Spider-Man goes back to school. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, yeah, actually probably was then, wasn't it? Clever. Yeah. Clever. But uh, going back to the, p- the previous post credit sequence, which I thought was one of the best gags Marvel have done, was the... Um, uh, from the original Spider-Man movie, the, the Spider-Man Sam Raimi one, where Kirsten Dunst and the, and the plastic Spider-Man go swinging through New York. Yeah. It's all brilliant. And you have Zadea and Spidey swinging through New York and she's utterly terrified yeah. by the whole experience. I thought it was a great kind of play on that. Yeah. Here's this romantic moment. moment. He's going to swing through the streets <laughs> of New York with his girlfriend and she was just utterly terrified. She showed a Black Panther. And I thought that was quite funny. But... Uh, uh, I've yet to be disappointed by a Marvel movie. I guess why we're on the subject of it, because it'll probably be a few weeks before we end up speaking about the Phase 4 slate, which will never get announced after we've recorded this today. Yeah, San Diego Comic Con's on at the whilst we're recording Yeah, it'll get announced over the weekend. But we have heard now that there is a 4-4 four, four 
happening. And Tiger, Tiger Woods TT. Yeah. What's your feeling about this? Was this inevitable, or is it is it a bit of a surprise? I'm surprised they've done it. As, as I said, I think it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and then it's going to be as Guardians of the Galaxy, or whatever. It's going to be more of the Thorry stuff. But you, I think you'll have a bright. I, I don't think you'll be massive wrong guns against three. I yeah. think you'll be there at the beginning, and he'll he'll help him out with a big battle. Then he'll go off, sod off for a bit, and I reckon he'll crop up a bit again at the end, and then, and then he'll the find out where leads yeah, into I think the four. four, four like, I don't doing. think they'll get Chris Hemsworth to do a full Guns of Galaxy film. I just think he'll no. he'll he'll maybe have like twenty minutes of screen time bookend yeah. in the film, just cropping up. Because I feel like you take away from their crescendo as a if their final film, you take away from them well, if, if he's about in too it. much. Him and Mark Ruffalo are what the last two prop original Avengers left knocking around there. Yeah. If if I could suggest to Taika uh, a comic book story which he could use as the basis for Thor four. Yeah. Because it's all it's all gonna go because he listens to this podcast, he's definitely gonna yeah. take the suggestion <laughs> on. So there's a there's a brilliant uh, run of the Thor comic, um, drawn by uh, Walt Simonson, uh, which is fantastic. And f- for a, a significant amount of issues Thor becomes a frog yeah. and I would quite like <laughs> Thor 4 to be Frog Thor 4 yeah. so and I then would, that would be brilliant I would be fully on board with that I would like some Beta Ray build to be honest yeah, I'd like to we see had him teased in 4-3 yeah. as, well, as, cha- as one of the previous champions and he's the true uh, owner of um, Stormbreaker as well yeah so. So I'd quite like to see that. Yeah, um, I'm more. I'm, I'm totally on board for more Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson screen time. I went to see Men in Black International the day. The film was rubbish, but those two on screen together, they literally they should just be cast in so much because they are. They just they just work, and like I'm happy to see them on screen together again. It's just something about that. They just have this great chemistry, and I'm quite looking forward to seeing their interactions again. I think as long as Marvel continue to cast well. Get the right directors and put the scripts together with the with the yeah. skill they've done so far. I'm happy to keep watching them, even though after Endgame I would would, would have quite happily not had any other Marvel movies. I'm just hoping for a bit more diversity in movie style going forward. Well, we need to come back to this at a later date because yeah. we've got to have a whole phase to devour. But yeah. talking of devouring, so we we dropped some hints this week that. We now all are in possession of something that we've been devouring this week, but one unfortunate member of the team hasn't got this <laughs> item, and as such, he hates us a little bit. Yeah. And we are like, we're all great, like, we're all gods, like, for having one, and he, he, he isn't so great for having one. I feel like the worst Chris now <laughs> in this um, scenario. I'm now, I'm now the crass, the Chris Pat of the group. I mean, for me, it was You're more... You're not even the Chris Pratt, mate. <laughs> oh, you cheeky. I mean, for me, it was more the question of has the Switch lived up to what the, the purpose of it was to be, which is bringing the DS and the Wii into mm. a single console for portable and home use, basically. Should, well, we, give, should we give a bit of history of this? So we went to a Switch event a couple of yes. years ago, and we kind of came out... You went we, without me. You, we did, and I came out and I slated it, and I said it was awful, I didn't like it, I thought it was stupid... I was quite. I wasn't very complimentary, but Lee, you hadn't joined the show at that point, so was this, nobody, nobody. Was this saved the event it. at Boxed or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was at that event. I were, yeah. So <laughs> a pre-geeky Lee, Lee. didn't know what celebrities were there. <laughs> um, so we um, 
I, we, I came back and I insulted it. Uh, I wasn't fond of it. You said it was woefully underpowered. It was just going to be kiddie games. Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, anyway, I, I my phone contract's up for renewal later this year. So I normally like to tend to get like, one of those free gifts from a phone contract. God knows why. Um, and I was thinking I'll get a Switch. But then I realised actually I'm probably going to be paying over the net for it. So I just went ahead and sold a load of records and bought one on eBay. And then two days later, you bought one so on So I've been Amazon. holding on to some Amazon vouchers since my birthday because the new Amazon Prime was coming up. I know th- I knew the deals weren't going to be that great on Switch. So- Within, but I thought I'd hold on to him, so I got a Switch with Zelda for free, basically. So within mm-hmm. within about a week, we both owned a Switch. A few days later, Keith killed himself. <laughs> um, but but never fear, Keith. I know you don't like to be left out, so I've got you a classic piece of Nintendo <laughs> to, to keep yourself busy whilst we play here. It's a game and watch. No, it is a Game Boy Advance Micro. Oh, oh. the one that was bought up and yes. So we thought we'd keep you busy with a couple of generations of older technology before, whilst we talk about the switches. So I like, like the fact the first thing it says on here is cheap. <laughs> so well, I got it for you. So I knew you was going to play. <laughs> so I, I went all out. I don't do things by heart. I've yeah. got the switch. I've got a stack ton of games. I've got basically yeah. every AAA yeah. game so, you can get. So here's the thing about your stack of games. It's yeah. the exact same number of games as my stack of games, but it took me a year and a half to put that <laughs> it together. Took, it, took, it took me about half a week. Yeah. <laughs> but has it lived up to its purpose? Is it a home console and a travelling console? Because Lee is the longest owner. Mm-hmm. Do you well, use it outside of the house, basically? I actually, like, I haven't taken it out much, but... Um, but one thing I do like about it that comes with the portability is the fact that my TV doesn't have a lot of slots on it. So if I'm like playing something yeah. on like one system and another system, and I need to like swap over HDMI cables, it's great for the Switch. I can just go. What yeah. TV have you got? Where you got to swap over HDMI cables? <laughs> you, it's more just the fact that I have about five HDMI <laughs> consoles to plug oh, into yeah. a TV with two slots. <laughs> God, you have me panicked. Yeah. But do you, do you use it as a portable console, I do or use it. is it just portable inside the house? It's portable inside the house, but I think it's more just the reason. Plays on the crapper. <laughs> um, the reason I haven't like taken it out much is just because I haven't got a carry case, and I feel that just taking it as Amazon it is basics ten quid is a bit it's a, nice it's a bit flimsy thing. as it mine, is. Uh, mine um, came with an official Nintendo Switch yeah, case. I, I, mean, I like my carry case. That I got yeah, I do, need, I do need to get one because. Uh, I would like to take it out more because it is—it's good as both, really. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely doing better than the Wii U. Yeah, for I all think, the right reasons. I think the problem with the Wii was such a massive success for Nintendo off the back of the GameCube. There are a lot of problems with the Wii U. So first of all, the name for the Wii U was a problem because everyone thought it was an accessory to yeah. the Wii. Let's keep going, Wii U. No, okay. um, I currently only have a GameCube. Greatest console Nintendo ever released. Game Boy Advance, Super Nintendo, at the moment. Um, but it also like it was just the fact that they Nintendo didn't really seem to know how to advertise the Wii U and the gamepad and all that sort of stuff. So most people yeah. looked at it and kind of went, "What's the point?" Yeah. The the games lineup for the first year or so was terrible. Yeah. Like there was pretty much nothing coming out. But with the Switch, they took a completely different tactic with it. The gimmick of the Switch was easily explained. It's like here's someone playing it on a TV, and oh, now they can take it out while they're taking the dog for a walk. Yeah. And here they are playing it on a plane, so it's truly portable. It's and not here like are four friends playing basketball around the time yeah. screen on a basketball. <laughs> yeah. Here are people playing NBA 2K on uh, 
on switches when they could be playing actual basketball just a few feet away. <laughs> this is the weird thing of game console adverts is they never actually like what people do in real life. Or, you know, the, the neighbour waving and her friends on the other roof across yeah. the street and then taking a switch over. <laughs> I found it interesting, though, that the Zelda game and the Mario Kart game from the Wii U, though, they were kind of like... And the Donkey Kong game, they kind of sacked off, like, oh, yeah, nobody bought it on there, so let's just they, redo on here. They've ported a whole bunch of stuff, and the stuff that hasn't been ported, they've probably released a sequel that made the, the original yeah. irrelevant, like Super Mario Maker and Smash Brothers and Splatoon. You kind of don't need to go back to play the Wii U versions, mm-hmm. yeah. even well, though they are new games. The thing with Zelda now is it's nine times out of ten is that's the bridging game that they put between each console. Yeah, because the, the Wii and GameCube did the same thing. Because Twilight Princess was a Wii launch title, but it was also a game on GameCube as yeah. well, um, which they did with this one. But I think that was kind of the first thing they did right. Launch it yeah. with a Zelda game. Yeah, but it's the fact that every few months in that first year they had something. Yeah. New, so they had like Mario Kart came out. You had Mario and Rabbids. Yeah, they had um, Super Mario Make It. That's just come out. It's just yeah. come out. Yeah, they're still kind of carrying that on every few months. So, because yeah. I mean, but I think the difference is there's been some quality third party support here as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was playing Doom on it last night. Yeah, yeah, and it's really good, and it felt good like playing it handheld as well. That was kind of another big thing because when they I'm showed an SD card for it, when they showed the launch trailer, they showed Skyrim. Mm. playing on it and of course that's a Women huge game and, you know yeah. well when it yeah it's kind of like Skyrim's been it's a joke now it's on every system yeah. to man, but yeah. it's kind of it is they're appealing to a more mature audience but it, for it, this. it showed that was the right sort of game to show as showing them their big third party support because Bethesda's never really released yeah. anything on a Nintendo system no. before and showing that it was like oh and then they're Beth- taking an interest and Bethesda and Doom as well yeah so exactly it's, it's kind of like it, it started to feel like I, I imagine because the way the Wii came out it was really it felt like a kids party console basically mm-hmm. and it's how it was built and you had Wii Fit and you had Wii Sports and it was mm-hmm. all like party kid family friendly games mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and I think like, a lot of developers kept away from it because yeah. it didn't have that mature audience I think, I think you're right like because I had a GameCube and I had a Wii and it did just for like the party friends console yeah. so I kind of like shut we off like shut Nintendo off for a while kind of I grew up I started playing PlayStation mm-hmm. I, yeah. I grew past Nintendo like the fun of it but then at the same time this is kind of like it has kind of appealed because of what it is and then with this there's a nice sense of nostalgia with it so I was playing Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey mm-hmm. which you know that really damages up your arm after that you ain't going to be able to have some solo time after that um, <laughs> god it's, why would you do that all the time uh, anyway um, it's like nice to play a game like that which felt like Mario 64 yeah. and like as I'm a bit older now I feel like the nostalgic vibe with that whereas like I don't know, maybe a few years ago wouldn't necessarily felt that, but I feel like now Nintendo is they've kind of clocked it. Hang on a minute, people do like our old nostalgic fun games, so let's just kind of concentrate on that instead of making yeah. the child party games. I think they've broadened it out and said more to an all ages audience mm-hmm. now rather than just keeping on that family friendly market. They did try and part of their goals with the Wii U was to try and appeal to a hardcore market, but they went well with Zombie all, U all the wrong ways about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean Zombie U was like it was actually pretty decent. Yeah. But I played it on the PS4, so... I mean, they've still kept the traditional Nintendo gimmick, so we've got Nintendo Labo, which is, mm-hmm. again, aimed more for the kids. Yeah. I think there's a VR goggles Labo. The VR there. thing is is terrible due to the simple fact that it doesn't have a strap to put it to attach it to your head, so you have to hold it up to your face. 
the whole time. Yeah. With the Joy-Cons attached at the side, so you're playing it with your hands at the side of your head. Oh, and it's... Well, <laughs> yeah. it's that typical Nintendo inventiveness, yeah. and you've got the whole thing with the Joy-Cons. There's still mm-hmm. kind of that weirdness where you can mm-hmm. take a Joy-Con away and pretend it's like a full controller. Yeah. But I think they've been better nailing down that first-party experience this yeah, time round. So it says every few months they've got something yeah. coming out, some big first-party title. And I suppose that's having the DS and the Wii teams as they were combined yeah. now. Because I mean, just uh, for the rest of the year coming up, off the top of my head, I know that they've got Platinum uh, yeah. making a game for them, which is out in a couple of months. Yeah, um, you got Luigi's Mansion Three is out in Halloween. Yeah, um, and then Pokemon. Yeah, right after Sword that. and Steel. So, so yeah. I think as well, it made me more interested in like looking at like like indie games because I go on PlayStation. I don't bother with any of the indie mm-hmm. games on PlayStation. I cannot be I cannot be bothered to yeah. sit through all that. I don't play big games on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But this has made me like look at more independent stuff and be like, oh, maybe I could play that. Well, you know, like a lot of at the, the end of the day, this is an Android tablet. It's mm-hmm. an Android console. It's developed on Nvidia's. X platform, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's the Tegra chip, basically. Um, and a big thing with the indie market is that they they love it. Yeah, the indie market just love that system. It's easy to develop for, easy to port. On yeah, it's because it's so, it's so easy to port to, but it's also just because it's a lot of it appeals to a lot of people because it's that sort of tablet sort of feel of you can yeah. play it handheld, you can play it on the go. Um, so one thing I'm noticing a lot of is indie developers. I'll see a lot of indie games with PC and Switch exclusively yeah. as the platforms that they're launching on and yeah. I'm like oh that's interesting yeah so something like Bayonetta Symphony a game that you love mm-hmm. you'd have never seen that released on a first party mm-hmm. console mm-hmm. without massive backing from a studio like Konami or somewhere mm-hmm. like that yeah, having it on the Switch as a downloadable mm-hmm. game gives you that option yeah. and I think Xbox and Sony are moving more towards that market now mm-hmm. when we've had the latest version of the Xbox One without a physical disc reader yeah. that's coming so it's kind of they're following to this always on downloadable game but I think the Switch has done it quite smartly using their version of basically what's an SD card mm-hmm. to get that thing I don't think it's done as well as they hoped I think it was I was expecting it to be as good as a seller as the Wii and the DS I think, it, I, think, I, think no. still, I think it's still I think it's still no actually it's, 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 it's still. exceeded their expectations I think I they've think done it, very well in Japan no they've actually done really well I, 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 yeah. I think it's still enough and coming because like bear in mind we just bought one in the last week you know yeah. they, still, people are still adapting to it and people and are still learning about it coming out soon, and also like. as well we're hitting, now we're going to be hitting a dead zone with Xbox and PS4 where mm. the games it's like that cross generation mm-hmm. period now mm-hmm. where like there won't be less games They're coming out at the end back of the generation. Titles, and yeah. then like when the new generation starts, the games ain't gonna be great straight away. Yeah. So Nintendo might do really well out of just being putting out a lot of good stuff or just yeah. being there for people who are just in that cross generation a lot of about three years. Yeah. And I suppose the Switch Lite is as well, it's perfect yeah, timing for that to come out because that's slightly slightly smaller, slightly less featured console. Well, what I said do really one, of, well. one of the things I said for that is that it's a good console because there are people out there who bought Nintendo handhelds exclusively for Pokemon and Animal Crossing yeah. and they play nothing else on a Nintendo handheld yeah. and releasing that version of it right before they release a Pokemon and an Animal Crossing yeah. is perfect marketing yeah. because it appeals to that specific audience who yeah. only go out and buy those handhelds I suppose it's going to really streamline their own console development in house because they don't have the DS Lite anymore they don't have mm-hmm. the Wii to develop for so it's yeah. one platform yeah. which is their whole ecosystem yeah. except their Android mobile games which we won't touch yeah, no. keep even very quiet 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been listening to you talk about the, the Switch because I'm still quite interested in it as a system because enough, as, as, a, as a fan of Nintendo for a long time, I do like what they do for me is, is, is create good games, mm-hmm. good quality games. And I've never been that bothered with the whole idea that the, the reason you don't buy a Nintendo console is because it's not the most powerful machine out there. Because for me, that negates the 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 need to make good quality solid games and I think Nintendo have always proved themselves to be good at making first party mm-hmm. some of the best first party games of, of all time I don't think Microsoft or PlayStation can hold a torch to what Nintendo have created over their history mm-hmm. so uh, the third party support I think helps in terms of its longevity in western environments because I, I still don't believe that outside of Japan any console can survive without the likes of a FIFA or a, a Medal of Honor or a Modern Warfare or whatever it is <laughs> so in the West that's the kind of game that somebody wants so having things like Doom and stuff like that on that console mm-hmm. is going to give people the option to go okay I'm not going to just get stiffed with Mario and um, Pokemon I can still play the other games that I would have mm. otherwise needed to buy an Xbox yeah. or a Playstation for well, no, it's, it's mostly stuff that's been out previously a couple of years ago, which is coming to the Switch now. Yeah. So, I'm glad I'm happy with my purchase. Lee, are you happy with your purchase? Oh, yeah. Ryan, are you happy with your purchase? I'm, I'm happy. I, I, have, I do have one question, though. Yes. Because this is, this is the thing that bothered me about the marketing for the Switch in itself. And I know Lee was kind of, you were talking about the way they, they, they advertised it. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, since, you've, since, you've, since you've had. Lee, particularly you, because you've you've owned one for a long time, mm-hmm. is how often do you actually gather around a table with a bunch of friends and take the Joy Cons off and play multiplayer party, you know, games with other people? Because I think in the in the UK, that's one of the things that that makes online popular on other systems is because it's absolutely horrendous to try and get a bunch of people together in one place mm-hmm. to play a bunch of video games. I think that's. Probably the one part of it that's not really used very much. Like, I've not really heard a lot of stories of pe- people gathering together in pubs or places like that with using the terrible kickstand to prop it up and play on the, the Joy-Cons. Because if you're splitting the Joy-Cons into like the two controllers, it's not the best. Because they're it's tiny. More, it's more arcade games that you're yeah, yeah. playing on those. Not I think, like... But I think it does have a lot of options because I know that a lot of games support local wireless multiplayer so if you've all got switches so we could all sit in this room sorry Keith <laughs> and play like Mario Kart cause let's I think, do it because um, I think we've all got that I think if you were kind of, if you were a student or something if you were at college or university mm-hmm. then I think it would be easier then to gather a group of friends together yeah. to play that so I think if you're younger you've, you've definitely got the, mm-hmm. the option probably more of mm-hmm. being able to play that game one final thought yeah. then Keith if uh, if I was off- One, what you're gonna you're actually gonna do your phone contract and get a switch and you're just gonna donate it to a no 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 no, no no if I was to offer you my switch for a dinner date with you we go out for dinner would would you would you take uh, it now you've now you've sullied it so um, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't actually <laughs> have you found your Game Boy Advance experience whilst we've been talking uh, it's quite it's quite cool I've just been playing Godzilla Dominion um, on it which is quite cool. Um, I think that was the ultimate portable console that Nintendo <laughs> released. Yeah, I thought the screen was going to be too small, um, but it's actually, you know, not that not that bad. It's quite good, and it, it fits in the hand quite nicely. It's not too clicky, so it's nice. It's, it's a cute little cute little machine. It's very nice. Ryan, where can we find you online? 
You can find me. Uh, what you for at nine o'clock at night? You can find me at Ryan Parish on Twitter, at Bromley Ormond for the foodie stuff, and Geeky Brummy wherever else with a lot of us. Keith, where can we find you? You can find me. Game staring at the switches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go into game any anymore, just purely because of that. And also me staring at the switches. No, they, they're all priced too, too high. Cash generator. <laughs> Look, it's all going to be big mugs soon because of Sports Direct. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me as me on hardlook underscore hotel on Twitter's. Uh, without the underscore on Instagrams and elsewhere, but also semi-regularly on the Geeky Broomy YouTube channel, uh, talking about comics, and mm-hmm. on the website, writing up very, very short descriptions of the comics that I do without the um, incredible journalistic skills that Lee does, his games roundup. Um, so if you want brief insights into comics I haven't read yet, <laughs> Wednesday's the place to go. Lee, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret and on Twitter at the Cheap Ferret. And as you've mentioned, my gaming roundups every Friday that I do, I just gather together gaming news and. But written collate. so well, <laughs> so nicely. I try. Guy, where can we find I you? I guy underscore Halford on Twitter. I can't be asked for the usual faff. You know, Playing Doom on the Mixcloud. Yeah, I can't be up today. Right, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.